Welcome to Piedmont Arts. I'm Rachel Stewart. Matthew Troy is the music director of the Western Piedmont Symphony in Hickory, and this fall, the Western Piedmont Symphony, like other orchestras, has had to do things differently and figure out how to do things without doing normal concerts. Uh, he and the symphony are using music to speak to the moment in which we're living. And on October 22nd, they released a multimedia project called 2020, A Musical Response. And coming up on November 7th, they're presenting a roundtable discussion on race and classical music. So, Matthew, I want to thank you for joining us for Piedmont Arts today. Just to start out, how is the Western Piedmont Symphony doing these days? Uh, how are you all faring? Hey, Rachel, it's good to be with you. Um, we are faring amazingly well, actually. I feel just kind of constantly inspired by our staff, our orchestra musicians, our community. Everyone has really rallied around the moment and, and I think seized this opportunity to look forward, do things in a different way. We're reinventing the orchestra to a degree right now as a way to just make sure that we are staying in touch with our community, staying in touch with our patrons. And we've got a lot of offerings that we probably would have never done in a typical year. And what's interesting is I think some of those things, we, I can see us actually sustaining some of those even after COVID is over. And I think it's, it's been a really interesting experience, but I, I know that conditions are hard for us and conditions are hard for many arts organizations and orchestras, but I'm really, really happy and really proud of where we are right now. We, we are doing well and we are just um, kind of constantly looking towards what's next. Are you finding that your supporters are giving you what, you know, as much as they can or? To... Absolutely. I mean, we have really been, we've got a strong following here and, uh, and also through different grant sources and whatnot. So I'm just thrilled to be uh, where we are and to be in this position of strength that we're, we're at right now. Well, that's good to hear. I, I know that probably a lot of folks who were in your position last spring were <laughs> looking ahead and thinking, what are we going to do? You know, it's just. Yeah, I mean, it was like it was I think I was certainly a little shell shocked. I mean, I think like everyone was where, you know, like I said, none of these programs that we're currently doing were part of the original conception for what this season looked like. I mean, I had planned out a full season of concerts. We had had, uh, this was, last year was my first year in the job as music director. So around March, when things kind of started going haywire, we really, you know, I, I didn't know what we would be doing. And then it, you just kind of push yourself, I think, to find innovative ways to keep music alive for people and keep our orchestra connecting with our community. Let's talk about some of the things you've done. And you have chosen a couple of projects that really speak to the moment that we live in, you know, maybe more so than any other um, arts organizations pivot that I've seen. What you're doing is very much about what's happening to us right now. You want to describe a couple of those? And I'm thinking of 2020, a musical response. And then you've got a roundtable discussion coming up on race and classical music. Sure. I think both of those projects are part of kind of the, the bigger picture that we have right now. And they're also something that I think that's a reflection of what's important to me as a music director and as a conductor, which is constantly trying to ensure that classical music, serious music, 
orchestral music, whatever label we want to put on it, that it remains relevant for people. I think the history that we are constantly having to overcome of making sure that what we do is relevant. And so I'm always looking at ways to make sure that we are meeting, as you said, meeting the moment that society is providing us. And the 2020 a musical response project i felt initially when covid happened very cut off from everyone um, as i said we were very unsure of what was going on and then not too long after that the events surrounding george floyd occurred and i've done a lot of work in that area in in the past and so it's something that i'm familiar with it's it's an issue that's very important to me and so it just seemed to me that we are, as a country are wrestling with these two uh, giant issues, the issue of the pandemic and our the issues around racial uh, equality. And so I wanted to do something that was really had an artistic feel to it, but also something that would be there years into the future. We something that we could look back on as an organization and see what were we doing in 2020 to respond to this moment. Something that represents our stance, something that represents the things that we've struggled through as an organization due to the pandemic and due to these issues around racial equality. So to me, it's it's a representation of what's been on my mind a lot and what's been on my heart a lot this year. And I think it really does it beautifully well. It's It's meant to be kind of a tribute to all of those that we've lost due to both of those issues, but um, something that will stand the test of time in the future. And to get specific, the 2020 Musical Response is a what I would call a multimedia project. Um, it is, yeah. And you released it last Thursday? Uh, last Thursday or Friday, yes. And I, I guess Thursday. Since, this, since somebody might be listening to this, you know, in 2025, <laughs> we're talking about October 22nd, 2020. Yes. And let's talk a little bit about that project. It's a, just a beautiful performance of Barbara's Adagio for Strings, but that's not all it is. Definitely not. It was the piece that... Uh, I was initially drawn to because um, for a variety of reasons, I mean, one of them just a pragmatic reason that some of the wind instruments are the most problematic right now for spreading aerosols and things. So I was looking for something that's a string piece that really captures the emotions of the moment and the adagio for strings by Barber is, is really that piece. I think in a lot of ways, it's traditionally been used for moments of national mourning and so it seemed like it's the it seemed like it was the right piece it also the way that that piece i think musically builds it constantly seems like it's striving for something higher and higher the piece builds to a crescendo where all of the instruments are playing extremely high in their range and so to me it was just a musical representation of constantly trying to climb to the top of these issues and, and, and reaching a better place ultimately from them. It is a multimedia piece. I had the director in mind, Justin Reich, uh, who directed the video. He and I are, have been friends for several years. His background is actually primarily in heavy metal music, believe it or not, and he's done a ton of heavy metal music videos um, and primarily works out of the Atlanta area. Even though that sounds a little bit odd to choose him for a classical music video, I knew his work and just knew that he would capture something really emotionally powerful. And he absolutely did that. 
I think the other thing is, is that a lot of what we're doing this fall is very lighthearted and it's very entertaining and it's up, it's meant to be uplifting during this difficult time. But I know that orchestral music has a really unique power to reach kind of down into the bottom of our souls and make us feel things. And so that is really the impetus behind this was really just to kind of have something that was more serious and more somber because of how difficult the year has been. You said earlier that uh, making sure that classical music is relevant to people is is one of your drivers, I guess. Yes. <laughs> and with this project, you're definitely using the music to help us express something that we're feeling right now. Can you talk about your goal of, of using classical music maybe a little more broadly and how you, how you keep it relevant? Because I think that that's a, a challenge for a lot of people in the culture that we live in. Sure. I mean, I'll tell you, I, I, I believe that people respond to stories. I think stories and storytelling are so important to us as human beings, as, as a culture. And so anytime I can learn more of the story of something, either, either where a piece comes from, what was inspiring the composer, what was the world in which the composer was living, stories are powerful to me. Anytime I program a concert, I'm actually looking at it as an opportunity to tell a story or to make a statement in some way. And so I spend a lot of my time researching different pieces, even different aspects of familiar pieces or new pieces, and constantly trying to find ways to connect that to what's going on in our world. And to me, that's one of the ways that I try to make things in classical music more relevant is by using the power of the music to do the storytelling for the audience. Well, I, what you've done with the 2020 musical response is that definitely, I thought it, it hit the mark. So. Thank you. Thank you. Let's talk a little bit about the roundtable discussion, sure. race and classical music. I guess I'd be curious, first of all, to hear you talk about why you wanted to have this roundtable and what what is the state of classical music these days where race is concerned? Yeah, I think it tends to be a topic that people are still uncomfortable talking about, frankly. And I think a lot of that stems from the fact that historically classical music has been viewed as, I won't say it has been, but it has been viewed as being such a predominantly white uh, European art form. Although there have been countless important voices that have been, have been um, not always represented as well or as often as they should. And so um, I wanted the roundtable discussion to be an opportunity to have an open discussion around this issue and to give our audience and our orchestra and our community a chance to not only listen, but I do think it is our responsibility to listen, but it's also not our place to um, take a passive role and just wait for the answers to come down to us. It's our job to be actively engaged in fixing and addressing this problem. And so I wanted to pull together a panel of people that have really unique experiences given their backgrounds to talk about what that experience has been for them. But not only that, to question kind of how did we get here? 
acknowledging where we are and talking about where are we going and what are we as an organization, what is the Western Piedmont Symphony doing? What am I as a conductor doing to address this issue? Because it is so important. And so for the panel, uh, I have some really great colleagues and friends of mine that are going to be participating with me. The moderator will be Emma Sellers, who is uh, on the faculty at uh, Lenore Ryan University and uh, handles all of their diversity, equity, and inclusion programs. I'll also be joined by Sydney Outlaw, who is a fantastic kind of rising star in the opera world, who's actually originally from North Carolina, Brevard, North Carolina, who now lives in New York City and before COVID was singing all over the world. Um, but Sydney has done a lot of great work in this field. Another colleague of mine and friend is Ashley Gordon, who will be joining us. She was a fellow violist uh, that was at the Pierre Monteau Conducting School years ago when I was a student there. She lives in Boston now and has a string quartet called Castle of Our Skins, which is uh, a really in-depth education program that is dedicated to celebrating Black artists and Black musicians and Black composers. And so she has a tremendous background, not only performing, but in the realm of education around that subject as well. And then I'll also be joined by Jonathan Sullivan, who is uh, an African-American violinist from the Western Piedmont Symphony, who sits in our violin section, to talk about just here on the local level, what has his experience been like in the local orchestras and the local music scene over the past 20 some years that he's been involved. So we're trying to kind of cover all of the bases and hear a variety of perspectives and really get down to, like I said, where are we and what are, where are we going? What are we doing to make things better? Do you personally have any ideas for what you think needs to happen? Yeah, I mean, I definitely do have ideas. I, I think they're really kind of, you, you have to step back and look at, look at the big picture. Again, to me, um, I think it can't just be all kind of outreach based. It has to be, there has to be an educational element in, involved. I think we obviously need to see more Black voices represented on our stages through guest artists, performers, composers. I personally am thinking a lot lately of how do we even adapt the traditional orchestral audition process to make sure that we are doing our due diligence to reach out to that community and include opportunities for people from the African-American community. So I, I yes, I definitely have ideas, um, but I definitely know that I don't have all the answers to. <laughs> and it's something that I'm kind of constantly trying to revisit and, and question my own perspectives to make sure that I'm doing the best that I can do. I think the 2020 Musical Response Project, the roundtable discussion, other efforts that we are doing as an organization are really trying to put in the work. We're not trying to just kind of make a statement and, and let that be it. But our board has recently unanimously adopted a very clear anti-racist statement, which is in addition to our uh, diversity position at every full board meeting. We are addressing those things at the board level to build more representation on our board as well. So I'm very proud of the work that we've started to do. Again, we as an organization, like I think many classical music organizations have definitely fallen short in the past. And I think we need to acknowledge that. But as soon as we do, it's time to 
pick up and talk about what are we going to do to improve things. You said earlier that you thought there were some things that you were doing this year that you have learned to do this year that you think will carry on past past the pandemic? Yeah, I, I think a lot of our online content has been really well received in a lot of ways. We started these watch party series and these are, they're offered free to the public. You can just tune in through a Zoom link, but they are different topics around the field of music and I mean, orchestral music, kind of things that occur behind the backstage, you know, kind of view of things as well. But they're an in-depth discussion uh, for me to talk about music with our audience, for us to present different musical clips. And I think they're really interesting because they allow us to connect in ways that we, again, normally wouldn't be able to with our audience. So for example, our next one, which is coming up on November 12th, it is a composer focus and it's really trying to demystify the art of composing. How does a composer go from hearing sounds in their heads to um, writing those things down on paper before the audience hears them? And what is that process like? What are the challenges like? Um, and so we've got two composers, Luke Benton, who is actually a very uh, well-known composer who lives in Hickory um, and he plays in our violin section, but a very accomplished composer. He will be joining us, but also we're going to be joined by Nkiru Okoye, who is just a fantastic uh, African-American female composer that has written just uh, many, many important works. And I certainly am drawn to her music. And so we're going to hear her perspective on composing and where does she draw her inspiration? So that's coming up. That's one we will continue. The other one is we had something occur. Uh, again, we can't perform in a large ensemble setting right now. So we've kind of broken the orchestra out into smaller ensembles when we can. We had an event called the Western Piedmont Symphony Sideshow that occurred a few weeks ago in downtown Hickory, where we had five different locations. They were all socially distanced. Everything was done very safely but it just allowed us to put our musicians kind of in, in non-traditional spaces and for people to have a really personal relationship. So we had everything from folk groups, jazz groups, world drumming, African drumming, uh, flute duos, string duos, cello and harp, lots of variety. So it's really kind of um, created almost like a festival atmosphere downtown. So I can definitely see us continuing to do that post-COVID because it was such a popular event for us. Well, it's heartening that there's so much creativity and sort of innovation happening. Yeah, I, I, do, I, I hope that we can learn some valuable lessons to this. I do, obviously, I miss conducting a lot. I mean, it's, it's you know, every day I kind of feel that just gnawing away at me, the, the loss of uh, being in front of an orchestra and bringing everyone together through music. That's, that's hard. So it's, it's been a challenge for me to reinvent myself in this time, but I, I know that it is teaching us valuable lessons. And when we are able to get back to normal, I think honestly, it will only make us stronger uh, and make us more flexible and more responsive to our community. Well, Matthew, Troy, I want to thank you very much for talking to us today and, and sharing what's happening with the Piedmont, uh, Western Piedmont Symphony. We have been speaking with Matthew Troy, Music Director of the Western Piedmont Symphony. And for Piedmont Arts, I'm Rachel Stewart.